poignant moment about when we decided to do a brewery. And when we, when I say we, I say that in inverted commas, we. So we'd just done three weeks uh, in the US. We'd visited 19 breweries. We'd done uh, so many brewery tours. And, <laughs> and I was kind of coming back on the flight thinking, oh, okay, so we've done breweries. Phew, looking forward to a bit of a break from all this beer talk. Uh, and getting back into my insurance world um and on the flight back we were actually separated it was a really busy flight and we were separated and you know that long pacific flight for anyone who's done it from la mm. it's uh you know it's 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 long and um i'd been to sleep and uh, i woke up and i i saw that david was still tapping away at his computer expecting him to go <laughs> be asleep and um and anyway as we were getting off the plane and we we're going through passport control and david just said to me he said i've just i've just decided we're gonna do it we're gonna do a brewery uh- hey gang welcome back to the marketing mashup um hope everybody's had a good start to the financial year i can't believe that we're almost at the end of july you know we've been saying that for a while oh goodness end of financial year is nearly here can you believe it and now Um, we're almost a third of the way through quarter one. So hopefully you guys are all diligently marketing and growing and you've got all the good stuff happening. Um, Today, I'm really excited because we've got a guest on the podcast that I've been wanting to chat to uh, on the mashup for some time. And we played a little bit of to and fro and we're finally here. And so I'm super excited to have Helen from Coastal Brewing Company here. Fantastic local business here in Foster who has wonderful product. I can personally attest to that. Um, Helen, welcome to the Marketing Mashup. Thanks, Simon. Delighted to be here today. Um, Look, we really appreciate you giving up some of your time to chat with us. So before we kick off with the serious marketing chit-chat, give us a bit of background about Coastal Brewing Company, like what's the history and, and how did you get to where you are now? Because you've got such a great brand, not just locally, but really expanding. So, yeah, tell us a bit about the Coastal Brewing Company story. Okay, so uh, we established in 2017 and uh, and that feels like a whole lifetime ago. Um, but uh, we just decided to grow effectively, like really just slowly at our own pace we had worked both my husband and i set up the business we founded it um having never worked in a brewery before so my husband had, had done a, a brewing diploma and we'd always been on the kind of like the the outskirts of beer so whenever we went on holiday we always went to microbreweries uh, we were really passionate about um beer and so this really came to fruition the brewery um around two things one was really we wanted to live up in this area the um, foster in the Barrington coast and also my husband really wanted to commercialize his hobby which is really right. brewing beer so we had not worked as i mentioned before in a microbrewery or brewery capacity prior to this business so a bit of background on me um, and my husband so my husband's background he did 25 years um, as an auditor uh, my background is corporate communications um, largely in financial and professional services. Uh, the latter part, and I suppose most in-depth part, was in the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. So very, very different. Uh, when yeah. we set up in 2017, complete change of life for both of us. Yeah, fabulous. So then when people start businesses, you know, there's there's usually, I guess, one of two paths. One is they kind of accidentally fall into it, and the other way that it's kind of really purposeful. And But often 
you know, a business that's based on something where they've got that experience doing whatever it is that they do and they think I can build a business around that. Um, but for you guys, it was it was purposeful, clearly. Um, but I guess where did that bravery come from to think we've never done this before but we can build a business out of this? So, yes, it's kind of really interesting. I think one of the... Um, the there's a sort of really poignant moment about when we decided to do a brewery. And when we when I say we, I say that in inverted commas, we. So we'd just done three weeks uh, in the US. We'd visited 19 breweries. We'd done uh, so many brewery tours. And, <laughs> and I was kind of coming back on the flight thinking, oh, okay, so we've done breweries. Phew, looking forward to a bit of a break from all this beer talk uh, and getting back into my insurance world. Um and on the flight back, we were actually separated. It was a really busy flight, and we were separated. And, you know, that long Pacific flight, for anyone who's done it from L.A., mm. it's, uh, you know, it's 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 long. And um, I'd been to sleep, and uh, I woke up, and I, I saw that David was still tapping away at his computer, expecting him to go <laughs> be asleep. And um, and anyway, as we were getting off the plane and we are going through passport control, David just said to me, he said, I've, ju- I've just decided we're going to do it. We're going to do a brewery. And... <laughs> <laughs> and we had this sort of jokey conversation for the prior few weeks, which was that Foster actually needs a brewery. Hmm. Uh, because whenever we came up here and we'd uh, built a house up here about six years prior, we always either had to go north up to Port Macquarie or down to Newcastle to get some really high quality craft beer. Hmm. And uh, so that is really where it came from. It came from a bit of uh, just kind of like you know what let's just do it and give it a go and once we made that decision we started to get a bit of momentum about how we could do it things started to fall into place I then did quite a bit of research as well about the market um, and the area so at the time we were the only possible well the only microbrewery for I think about a 70 kilometer um, conference so um, you know in terms of like and we also had we, we looked at also the, the demographic of the area. And whilst there is a the demographic uh, is is right for kind of purchase of um, of craft brew, craft beer, it wasn't matching the actual demographic of who typically would buy craft beer. So, you know, we, we've worked out the, um, we call them personas in mm, marketing. Yep. Um, and uh, we'd worked out what the profile was of Foster and it didn't quite match to, to craft beer. But mm. so what we knew we had to do was actually bring the community along that journey mm-hmm. of craft beer. And so that really informed how we set up as well. We kind of grew with our community around craft beer. And we sort of needed to do that too because we just hadn't operated a brewery before. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd done so much. Uh, we'd done a lot of research. And obviously David had done his postgrad diploma. Um, and, uh, you know, we... We both. I've got a background, obviously, in corporate communications and some marketing. David's background is um, he's a chartered accountant, so it's really, really good business basis. So, really, yeah. it was the it was the brewing piece that we had to kind of get right. We could really between us, we could do sort of you know most other things. Occasionally, we just have like a HR issue, and we're like, "Oh, have you ever done this type of contract before?" I'm like, "No, haven't done that type of contract. We'll have to, you know, we'll have to get one of those scripts in." But generally, we've done most things. Yeah, for small yeah, that, business and yeah. business and stuff you can kind of like um you know you can scale up and down um so we we're, we were pretty lucky from that perspective 
Um, so yeah, so that's really where it's born from. So we had that a bit of confidence from knowing how to do business. Yeah. Uh, we'd got a bit more confidence around uh, making some great craft beer. We had that mm. little bit of unknown about the market, but we came up with a solution to be able to bring the community on that journey with us. Yeah, and you had you clearly identified that there was a gap in the market yes. there. You know, whether or not you were able to bring the community along with you, as you said, was yet to be determined, but you'd figured out, like using yourselves, I guess, as as one of the personas, hey, we come here, we love the area, we love craft beer, mm. and there's no local option. And especially in regional areas, we know how parochial people can be and they love to support their own mm-hmm. local businesses. So, to okay, I, I get it. I understand that now. Um, you know, there, there might not have been the experience there, but you clearly saw, hey, there's a gap in the market and we've got a passion for this and we can fill that. I love it. Yeah. So, and then the other one is just knowing you've got to have all that hard work and you've got to just be able to, it's not just about how much you invest in it from a financial perspective. You've basically got to put your whole heart and soul into it. you know and that's such a common story too is once people make that decision once they've committed to you know to to start the business or to do whatever it is then it's almost like well there's no way out now this has to work there's no plan b this is what we're doing somebody described it once and i might have said this on a podcast previously that starting a business is like jumping off a cliff and building an airplane on the way down you know it's like once you make that decision and you jump you have to get this right yeah. Um, so I think there's there's a lot to be said for that because you can't half do it, can you? you can, as long as you've got your safety net and your plan B, you won't really be committed to making it work, I think. That's right, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So what would what was the most difficult part of sort of getting started for you guys? Um, it was really um, I kind of laugh about it now, but <clears throat> um, beer brewing is quite a high capital business. So, excuse me. <clears throat> so, by high capital, I mean we have a lot of equipment that's required mm. to brew beer um, effectively, and um, and so you're putting in a huge amount of capital, and then you're kind of like selling cartons and and cans, that, yeah. and you know, and schooners across the bar. So. When you put, you know, multiple hundreds of investment in capital and then you're selling, you know, a can of beer for $5, it's that kind of, I think that's the bit. It's like, oh, my goodness, we've got to just really work hard to, you know. And, and yeah. obviously the brewery is a long-term payback. Um, yeah. It's not, yeah. you you know, we wouldn't get our payback within a, a few years. It is a long-term yeah, you've got to be really committed. And it's not just selling, you know, the can at $5 or, you know, the schooner or whatever it is over the counter at, you know, what are they, 10 bucks now for, I think, a craft beer. Um, but then unless you're selling it directly, you're not getting that. You're getting a wholesale That's price right, for yes. it. And then, you know, if you do sell it for $5, then you've got your costs that have to come out of that as well. So you've got to oh, sell absolutely. lots of beer. Yep, you do, and a huge amount. I suppose that just sort of brings me on to, we, we've sort of got three aspects to our business. And the first is wholesale. So this is kegs and cartons. And this is into bars, venues, bottle shops, um, locally, um, uh, Newcastle, Sydney, um, and then we're in now Lismore and Canberra. Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of going out to geographically. That represents about 70% of our business. Right. Um, we then have retail, which is in um, our taproom sales. 
of beer for yeah. takeaway. It's about 10% of our revenue. Mm-hmm. And then we have the remainder, 20% of our revenue is our tap room. And we open that three days a week um, outside of holidays. And then we open every day in the holidays. Yeah. yeah. And on to your point, Simon, it's a really good point because whilst our tap room is only 20% of our kind of revenue, it is our most profitable business because it's direct. Yeah. It's money over the bar as well. So mm. with many of our wholesale customers, look, we love them dearly, but they're not always great at paying within the, you know, the 30 <laughs> days that we terms, give them. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, and those are the challenges everyone faces in, in the wholesale industry. Um, but you know, tap room, it's money across the bar. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's really excellent for the cash flow. Really, really good. And yeah. also and the profitability is there too. There's no middlemen. We, we actually yeah. know it's the most profitable aspect of the business. Yeah. And also, you know, I've been to your tap room a few times and it's a really nice experience there and you've got merchandise as well. Um, which is terrific. It's really nicely branded merchandise and good quality stuff. I should have worn my beanie today. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so that helps too, you know, particularly, I guess, you know, once we've got a few bevies in us, we're like, oh, I wouldn't mind one of them and I better have a glass and a few other bits. So it's really important to have those extras too, isn't it? Because, you know, as you oh, pointed yeah, out, absolutely. that yeah. 20% of your revenue probably represents, you know, a, a fair portion of your profit. And also, um, just on to merchandise, if you look at it like that. So um, it's probably one of the best performing products in, in the brewery is our T-shirt. Yeah, right. Because yep. it is, um, you know, we buy them in bulk. We buy them in a really big volume. Yeah. And um, and then we sell them and, you know, they they don't have use-by dates and things. There, so they just, you know, they go on the shelves and they sell pretty quick, actually. But uh which is good, but there, you know, it's a, it's a great, it's a great way for any small business to, mm. to really kind of, um, t- to build a bit of profitability. Yeah, to bolster their margins. I think the fact that your merch does sell so well says a lot about the brand you've been able to build. People mm. don't want to just rep anybody's brand, which kind of brings me to, you've had the concept, you've done the research. There's an opportunity here. We're all in boots and all. We're doing this. Building it's one thing. Getting customers is a completely different kettle of fish. How do you go about starting building a brand new brand for a brewery? Brand, yeah. Gosh, so um, so I suppose I looked at it in a very structured way, and I and I suspect, um, and I and one of the criticisms I get, or criticisms probably development area. Let's talk about development areas. Is that um, I can be overly corporate. Um, so all I'd ever done prior to the brewery was corporate corporate work. So mm-hmm. it does flow through sometimes into what I do. So I take quite a corporate approach to how we uh, market our business. And um, mm-hmm. so I've got basically three objectives. One is around things that we do that support awareness building for the brand. Things that we do that support purchase. Mm-hmm. And then and those two are probably where I spend the most time. The third one is actually what I call eminence, it's kind of, um, it's about, it's really about positioning and making sure that we are positioned in the right places and we're taking up the right opportunities um, just to kind of, you know, step us up to that next level of Mm -hmm. doing things. So for example, um, it's things like in eminence, it's things like participating in awards um, 
and major events where we're heavily profiled in the beer industry. <clears throat> it's, um, I don't know if anyone saw, but I was on Sunrise, uh, taking um, Sunrise Sunrise one Sunday morning, live from Foster, just taking, um, taking them through our beers and our beer range. Um, so it's things like that that I do to just really step up the brand and and uh, you know we are a really small team, very small team, but we um, I think we kind of punch a little bit higher um, on those eminence pieces to mm-hmm. really start to help positioning the brand um, as premium because that that's how we position our brand is, is as a yeah. premium product and it's actually it's not because we feel uh, you know sort of like you know, really superior. It's not that at all. It's actually we ha- we don't have a choice because mm. the cost of um, the cost of actually all of our um, ingredients that go into our beer, and we are all natural ingredient and ingredients, and we want to keep using um, you know like really innovative ways to do things with our beer. That all costs money. Yeah. We use some live yeast that um, that come in, you know, via Star Trek overnight, and they're and they're straight into the brew that day. So we, you know, we really care about the ingredients that you know um, we yeah. use, and to do that all costs money. So we actually don't have any other choice than to be premium, mm. yeah. <laughs> and so we are priced premiumly, and um, and that's how we kind of go to market as well. But having said that, I have always wanted to be as inclusive as I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh for our beer range and so we we have um you know the full spectrum of beer so we have everything from you know uh, just recently launched a beer called 2428 draft mm-hmm. and uh and then we have town lager and they're really super easy drinking beers they're the types of beers that are most uh commonly associated with traditional kind of australian style beer like right. super easy drinking yeah. and then we've got the more kind of complex and they're more kind of american styles and mm-hmm. Czech styles, things like that. So we're bringing we're bringing things to the um, you know to the market that um, are different. Yeah, yeah. I love hearing you talk about you know those those three elements of your marketing. You know, we talk about the three pillars: awareness, affinity, authority, which is know, like, trust, which is very similar very to similar, what you're talking yes. about. Yeah. And yeah. I think the lesson in that is you run you run a brewery, right? There couldn't be a cooler, more fun type of business, but you still have a very corporate approach to marketing it. And I think that's a lesson for a lot of small business owners is it doesn't matter how small you are or what industry you're in, you still need to take a professional approach to your marketing. doesn't mean it has to be boring. doesn't mean your messaging necessarily has to, has to be you know, brown pinstripe suit marketing, but the approach that you take to planning it and structuring it and how you deliver it needs to be really professional and very corporate because that's how you get the cut through that you're looking for. So I love hearing you talk about that. You know, you said to me that you had a really structured approach to marketing and and I'm loving hearing that. Um, so so what are, what are some things that you've done along the way that, that didn't work, that bond and you thought, oh God, let's not do that again. Because as marketers, that happens to all of us, the absolute best of us, you know, things bomb. Yeah, look, it absolutely does. So, um, oh, look, there's there's innumerate things I've done on merchandise (laughs) where I've just kind of given it a go, like socks is one of them. I've I've basically got way too many pairs of socks that uh, are my expectation that people would buy. Uh, (laughs) There's things like that, um, smaller things. There's some... um, there's, there's actually, there's a side to it, actually quite interesting craft beer, because 
we've had a couple of beers. Um, well, first of all, if we have a beer that we're not happy with, we will dump a beer. And we have done and we're fine dumping a beer. We're not ever going to put a beer into market we're not totally happy with. Mm-hmm. But we have had a couple of beers that haven't turned out the way that they should. Um, and we've changed strategy on them. And so, for example, um, Christmas 2017, our first Christmas that we were open, we asked everyone, what what should we brew for Christmas? And um, mm-hmm. people came back and said, um, a Hefeweizen, which is really, really fascinating because it's kind of like, that's a really specific style. It's not everyone's cup of tea. So it's kind of like, we're so we thought, well, we'll do that. We'll absolutely do that. Anyway, it was when we had first started brewing double batches and um, and David was brewing on his own then before we got James, our brewer, on board. And and uh, at a, and a double brew day, well, you easily go from 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. at night. And one of the last things you do is you add your yeast, probably about mm-hmm. 9 p.m. in a 10 p.m. day, finished day. And when David had gone to uh, put the – he'd emptied the yeast into the fermenter. We'd done the whole brew day double batch quite expensive uh when he went to put the uh back the sash the sort of things they come in they're sort of like a i can't remember what they're called but they're sort of like a, a, a basically a box of yeast um into the bin he he noticed he'd actually put a pale ale yeast in no. and put the wrong yeast into that and not the hefeweizen yeast because we'd just been using pale ale yeast for so long so we ummed and ahed about it and thought what what a you know, what's it going to come out like? And then in actual fact, it's a very, very, it is a style to use a wheat base with an American pale yeast. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we thought, well, it's fine because we'll we'll just launch it and we'll just do it as a one-off. And <laughs> <laughs> and and that'll be it because it's kind of a bit too quirky. It's even quirkier than having something like a Hefeweizen, which is, you know, very limited. People like Hefeweizens. Um Anyway, so we made this beer. It came out. We used it as the Christmas beer in 2017. Mm. But what was really interesting, a, a bar down in um, in Fingal Bay absolutely loved this beer <laughs> and have had it on tap for five years. So we've had to brew that beer for the last five years, which we've been really happy to do. We've been really happy to do. But that would have been a one-off batch brew, and um, but they just loved it. So we kind of turned we turned something like that into into something that kind of worked for us but yeah, yeah it's right. fascinating. yeah yeah that's that's um that's fantastic that's a great story so because you could have just you know made that decision early on and thought oh this is no good and turfed it out that's but, right you know yeah. i guess the lesson there yeah. is is you just never know do you so you yeah. wait you tried it thought this is not too yeah. bad um and so is it something that you now brew regularly just do, for them or is it more widely available than that or have they got it's like an exclusive it's on our wholesale process it's it's more widely available it's available in cans now in our tap room yeah. um so but we obviously because we've got a customer that has it on tap and they plow through it as well it's not like they go through a That's quiet unreal. gate they plow <laughs> through it um so we do several batches a year of it yeah, yeah. right terrific so, Things like that can work. Um, I think I think as well when you're setting up a business to, um, you know, there's many, many days when I've done a delivery run when I've been aware I haven't covered costs. I've been, I've done it because I've needed to kind of get into those bottle shops and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've needed to get into those bars. But at the end of the day, it hasn't, you know, doing a delivery into Sydney, we always have to have like a minimum to kind of cover our costs. And yeah. And we still do the delivery run even when we don't meet that minimum, but we're really aware 
of what our costs are. So that's the really good thing with having David from a um, a chartered accounting background. We mm. actually know down to the nth degree how much beer costs. Yeah, and that's challenging because not every brewery has that. So I go into meetings and people tell me, "Oh, so and so selling a keg for you know x x," and I'm like, "Really." How can they even cover their costs on that? Yeah. Um, and they've got their reasons for doing it. They might have some excess stock. They, you know, might be a different reason. Um, mm. And and when you actually know how much things cost, it makes a big difference. So I'd, I'd, you know, that's something I'd recommend is just really understand and go down to the nth degree. So, you know, you, you go down to putting an element in there for, you know, for us on a keg cost, we would, we would, have some money in there for the ingredients, the time mm. of the brewer, the marketing time, the delivery. Yeah. Uh, we'd also yeah. have a share of the electricity bill, a share of the water bill, a share of the um, original capital that went into the building. Yeah. Um, all of those costs are in there, itemized, so we know. And it allows us to make decisions as well, really informed decisions too, mm. about when we can kind of, you know, do some deals because we can we can do some deals when it's volume. Um, yeah, and we can't always do deals uh, when it's we haven't got a kind of a, a volume coming. Mm. I think that's a really important point that you've touched on that a lot of people you know maybe don't put enough attention towards is understanding not just the cost of the business but the value of a customer. Like when you really mm. understand those numbers and you understand what the long term value of a customer is, then. It's okay sometimes to lose a little bit of money. In fact, it's quite normal to lose a little yeah. bit of money in order to first acquire a customer who you know long-term is going to be really good and really valuable to your business. But unless you understand those numbers and unless you know what that value is, it makes it very difficult to then come back to marketing and think, well, how much can I spend in order to get that customer? Because if you're not looking at the future value then you might be shortchanging yourself, you know, and you and you mm. might not be investing enough in your marketing for the long-term growth of your business. So was that something that you guys were aware of right from the mm. beginning? Like how much can we afford to spend to promote the business? Or was it just that case of well, this has to work, so let's just go all guns out? No, we were very, uh, very aware of that. And it's really interesting because <laughs> as a small business, you kind of think, that's okay, you know, six months in and then we'll be off to have a salary and then <laughs> just start, it'll all start growing after six months. You always, and then it's like, oh, no, it'll be a year. Then it'll be 18 months. And and so, you know, from locally um, here, we obviously had, we were heavily impacted by the 2019 summer bushfires. Mm. <clears throat> and, um, and we then went into two years of COVID. So I actually feel like even though we've been operating for six years, we're really in year two or three because of all the things that have impacted mm. the environment. And and it's also really easy to just constantly make excuses as well. <laughs> and you've got to make sure you're really disciplined about, no, okay, you've got to turn it around. If you can't keep making excuses for things, um, you know, let's make this work profitably. Yeah. I've spoken to a number of kind of, um, you know, bottle shops and things about, you know, how we can do things profitability. And, and it's got to be a sort of like a win-win for both, mm. um, you know, both um, both a customer and um, ourselves and whether it's a bar. Because, you know, sometimes bars just, you know, they they haven't got – it'll be something like they can't – so, sorry. I'm it's all right. Not thinking this through probably, but um, if there is sort of like a bar that has – 
you say based in somewhere like I don't know um, Dubbo they want our beer they've got a small cool room so they can't take you know 12 kegs at a time mm. then um, we've kind of got to work through with them a way that um, they're not constantly kind of ordering every week or two because we literally can't afford to deliver yeah. out to Dubbo you know that many times <clears throat> we can go out to Dubbo but we can we need to be able to <clears throat> deliver in kind of one or two goes yeah. Do, yeah. Do you yeah, do you have um distributors, can I call them distributors or premises like close to each other who sell the product or do you give them like an exclusive area? No, so what we do, so we actually are currently doing all our delivery from um Foster Still. This, mm-hmm. It's a plan that we have in place to move to a distributor in Sydney. Yeah. <clears throat> to do all of our Sydney Canberra and then we currently and we would do still do Newcastle and Foster and Coffs Harbour etc from Foster but we do that is our ultimate plan to get into a warehouse in Sydney who do distribution for us yeah. which is going to make a big big difference um, and will be really good for us as a business in terms of growing as well because I won't spend as much time <laughs> You know, doing one-off deliveries, yep. I'll be able to spend more time talking to customers and things like that. So um, from that perspective, it will free us up a little bit more. Mm. Um, the delivery piece is really hard because um, customers don't want to pay for delivery. Yeah. And one of the things that I worked out when we first started doing the brewery is that we couldn't always compete on price because we're a small business and we've got, <clears throat> you know the the cost that we have but where we could compete is actually on customer service so um i deliver cold kegs i deliver cold cartons and um there's deliveries are made within four hours of leaving the brewery so it's kind of like there you know there isn't a kind of like sitting on sitting in a warehouse floor or anything yeah. like that or being reloaded onto pallets into going into it's literally from the brewery to bottle shops to venues. Yeah. And that gives a really high quality to the beer. You know, it's not changing temperature as mm-hmm. it goes. It's, it's, you know, they stacked cold and, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and so, I love that because it doesn't always have to be about price. Consumers will pay, people will pay extra for something that's really good quality. You know, there's mm. just, there's endless examples of that, aren't there? It's the reason why high-end cars sell, high-end jewellery sells, high-end clothing brands sell, even though they basically do the same job, but people are happy to pay a premium for quality service. So when businesses, especially small businesses, are looking for points of difference, going after price is a race to the bottom and it's not always going to end really well. So going the opposite way, and as you said right at the start, positioning yourself as a premium brand, pricing yourself accordingly and going after customer service, that's going to attract the kind of people um, that you really want to work with. So, I mean, you're doing, you guys are doing so many things right. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so so you said you feel as a little bit as though you're kind of still – you know, in the startup phase in terms of your yes. marketing because of, yeah, we had bushfires and yeah. then we had COVID, thank you. And, you know, there's always been something, hasn't there, it feels like over the last five mm. years. What does what does the marketing plan look like going forward? Does it change significantly for you from what you've done in order to start the business to, to kind of move into that um, more mature business and maintenance mode or, or haven't you kind of thought that far ahead yet? No, very much so. If we are very aware of what that looks like and what we want to get to, so um, it's yeah. It to for us distribution is such a big part 
of it um that that's kind of like a, a big driver mm-hmm. the um the bit that we also as owners of the business as well so david and i were a team of four um mm-hmm. full-time as as owners of the business david and i are still working in the business and we should get to the point where we're working on the business yeah. so there are things that i'll be missing now because i'm just so caught up in the weeds of you know making sure we've got six kegs going to sydney on tomorrow's <laughs> yeah. run type thing um and uh there'll be things that i miss because i haven't had the you know capacity to deal with them um because i have been so focused on that and i think it's also really good to take yourself out of the day-to-day to be able to see new opportunities uh, coming up. And I'm really lucky. I've got our business development manager who's based in Sydney. He is, um, he's just finishing his MBA um, and he's doing some work and he's helping and basically we're his project. So I'm, um, and it's a really good way to do for others to do this as well is that um, he's looking at kind of how can we really optimize our marketing position and premium positioning, mm-hmm. um, essentially in the Sydney market. Um, and he's looking at a whole other raft of things as well about, you know, whether there's, you know, where the economy changes and, um, you know, what it looks like and some scenarios for going forward. Um, but essentially having ourselves at the center of that project is really good because we're getting a great piece of work from someone who's doing an MBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd say just for other people, it's a way to look at getting a really good strategy piece. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting. So looking at at, at somebody who's um, studying, who can use you as a bit of a project um, mm. in order to get value out of that for themselves, or even potentially, I guess, depending on the size of the business and where they're at, maybe an intern, a marketing intern, who's going to bring some really, really fresh ideas. Well. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's, but it's really good because it's made in talking to Francisco, as I talk to Francisco all the time about our day to day, which is, um, you know, he's out there talking to, um, bar owners, bottle shop owners. Mm. Um, and what's really good is he, he actually, uh, he, and one of the good things I think of, of all marketeers is that they can talk to every aspect of the whole relationship. So they can talk to someone who is a, you know, a sellerman who's buying kegs, one or two kegs for you know a bar in a regional area all the yeah. way through to a general manager for you know a whole suite of bottle shops mm. um and you know being able to talk at that level and be able to provide the level of information and um you know comfort so for example you know when you're talking to a seller man it's actually just really all about making sure we deliver on time when they're there and uh and then at the other end of the spectrum it's about talking about profitability and tap profitability and um shelf space and shelf profitability and how we can optimize it Mm. that's um it's really it's really interesting to hear you talking about those things because again at the top you spoke about having a number of different client personas and or client Mm. avatars some of our people would call them and it's really important isn't it to understand the different um i guess fears frustrations but goals and desires of those client avatars and how you how you understand them or the depth with which you understand them can determine your or does determine your marketing and how successful it's going to be so what i love hearing you talk about 
is that sort of double loop learning almost where you've got somebody who's in the field talking to your customers and you're getting that feedback from them and you're understanding, you know, what, what are we doing that's working and what are we doing that's not working for that person and what's important to them? And then how do you go about putting that back into, you know, what you know and into your strategy and into your marketing? Because I think a lot of businesses, they don't do that at all. You know, they might talk to their customers, but they don't always listen to what they're saying with that marketing hat on and think, what can I learn from that? And how does that change what I'm doing? So question without notice for you, putting you on the spot because you are yeah, such a no, good marketer. How, how do you take that info and put it back in? So the listening piece is absolutely critical. Um, and I'll give you an example. We recently went, we've got a customer in Sydney um, and they do, um, they do have a number of different arms to their business, but one of them is they do corporate gifts mm. and, um, you know, birthday gifts and that type of thing. And I was really, really keen that we became one of their partners um, and they have sort of like this sort of elite group of partner breweries. And um, anyway, so we did a whole tender process and and we didn't weren't successful this year, although we just missed out this year. We're going to work on some other stuff with them. But um, the reason was because our beer was of the best quality. They were really happy with the beer. Mm-hmm. They were really happy with... Um, you know, sort of all the customer service that went with it, commitments I made around sort of delivery, that type of thing, and availability of the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what wasn't working for them was our brand and our brand profile. So mm. we weren't big enough for mm. them at the moment. Mm. And we were pricing as if we were. Mm-hmm. So we're a premium price, but our brand isn't, you know, against all the sort of like other 230 breweries Across New South Wales, we weren't, or actually, I think that's even Sydney. Just the, yeah, there's, there's a lot of breweries anyway. Against it's a lot just of breweries, exploded, in, hasn't it? I know in New South Wales, um, you know, we weren't quite there with our brand for what we were charging, mm-hmm. and um, it was very humbling to hear that because I'm kind of like, oh gosh, I thought everyone knew about it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's really an action for me to to basically get our brand up further in the Sydney market. Mm. So that we can go in, you know, we can go up against all of the big players. Yeah. So um, from their point of view, they're they're looking at you and saying, "Well, you're not adding value to our hampers because people don't recognise the brand." The brand as much, yeah. So it's yeah. kind of those are really, and it hurts when you hear that type of stuff. But it's like okay, I've got to do more work on that and uh, and things. It so does that doesn't listening it? piece is just so important. Yeah, yeah, but now you understand what's important to them. You can make a decision as to whether or not they're potentially a big enough client for you to want to make an investment in that. Or mm-hmm. if that's our persona, how many other businesses that do what they do have the same pain point? And, yeah. you know, can we address that by doing some branding generally? And then, you know, that makes us more appealing to all of those sorts of companies. So, yeah, yeah no, really absolutely. important to, to listen to what the market's telling you and to, and figure out what you can do in your marketing to help address that. I love that. Definitely. And the great thing about being a small business is you're really nimble. So you can yes. adjust things really quickly. And that is what's great about being a small business. Yeah. You, yeah, we can. We have the capacity to move really fast and really quickly. Um, we don't always do that. I think sometimes, you know, we can get a little bit, well, maybe not frozen, but it's not a priority. Hey. Um, mm. if, if what you're looking at isn't a priority. So so for you, it sounds like you spend quite a bit of time 
and attention on your marketing. Where do you see that as, as um, or in terms of the priorities for you as a business owner? Oh, it's absolutely key. Um, so whereas I can't sort of, sort of say how much time I spend every week, I sort of feel like every single thing that we do, we there's a marketing element in some way, shape or form, even down to basics such as, um, you know, how we go on our social media, mm. how we profile ourselves, which social media we go on, you know, even just making sure that the van's washed when, you know, it's it's going to be yes. seen around town and things like that. So that it's all part of the big picture. Yeah. Can, can we just um, go back to just one step for a second? You, mm. you said then even so far as which social media we go on. Yeah. Expand on that. You're not on you, – you don't see a need to be on every single platform in every single place. So it's something that I'm kind of always looking at and what – what do we need to do? And, and I've actually just been re-looking at it because threads has just come and I'm kind of like trying to work that out and see, yeah, and things. <laughs> yep. But so I've very much pinpointed, when we started off, we were kind of like Twitter, Facebook, and then it's actually become, beer is very Instagram, then fa- then Facebook for more kind of like beery information. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also some kind of discreet ones for not discreet, but um, specific ones for beer too. There's one called mm. Untapped, which is um, people go in and they rate all the beers and yeah. you get instant feedback, which is brilliant. Again, that's part of the whole listening program for a marketeer to have mm-hmm. something that's providing you with feedback on your beer 24-7. Yeah. It, it has its downside too. But in terms of the, <laughs> the core social media, yeah, like I do, I do think, you know, I look at things like TikTok and things like that and I and I think about the profile of the audience that we have mm. and the you know the personas we talked about earlier and and if I break it down into kind of tourists and local, um I haven't we haven't made that decision to go on to TikTok and because it still feels like let's just focus on our Instagram and our Facebook where it feels like You're the craft beer community is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you can want to get if you haven't got much time, you can kind of get sidetracked and onto all those things. That said, things like YouTube, I'm always into kind of like cross promoting things. So if we do some YouTube stuff using that video across the other social media, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Look at how you can repurpose your content because that just helps you be way more efficient. I agree, but you're you're right, and it's you know it's another thing that you're obviously doing really well is you unless you've got an entire team of people running your marketing, you can't be effectively on every platform and you don't necessarily want to be. You want to be where you know that your tribe is hanging out. So again, it's good to hear you say, you know, which social media platforms we're going to show up on because you don't need to be on all of them. And in fact, it's not always beneficial to your brand to be on platforms where, you know, where your tribe is not. And at the moment for you guys, I would say that TikTok probably isn't you know, necessarily the ideal place. It's still predominantly a young audience and a really young audience is is clearly, you know, not an alcohol audience or shouldn't be anyway. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. you have to be really purposeful about where you show up with your brand and how you show up. So that's really good. Yeah, that said, I think there's a timing piece too because during the COVID pandemic, um, I did some stuff on LinkedIn and actually got sales Mm. from it. And it was tapping into like a an audience that uh, were obviously kind of like in a different headspace during the pandemic. Yeah. And um, 
I don't think I'd necessarily, if I got sales, if I started using it again in the way that I was then, would generate sales now. Um, it was just really tapping into that timing. It would be interesting to do a bit of a debrief around that and try and analyse, like, why did that work and is there anything mm-hmm. in it and what can we learn from that and roll out elsewhere? Because you're right, it is a very B2B focused platform lots of professionals maybe professionals like craft beer maybe there's a good correlation there and you could be doing something in that space but um um yeah interesting so hey i'm conscious of time um we're going to be coming up against the hour pretty soon if there's one thing that you've learned learned launching a new business that you think might be useful to people listening what would that be especially around marketing it's going to be the listening piece and understanding your customer um and the more you can kind of understand the customer the better you can provide that customer experience and and that's ultimately what it all comes down to someone has a great experience of your product whether they have it in our tap room they have it from a can at a bottle shop they've purchased a bottle shop or they're in a, a venue um in a bar and they're taking you know having having some beers with some friends we want that experience to be you know the very best so it's really understanding what's working and and when we talk about customer it's also very much about the you know for us it's actually about the the bar managers the bottle shop managers as well and just making mm. sure that they understand our products and we can listen to them as well about what works and what doesn't so it's, it's yeah, listening yeah yeah yeah, listening, defining who is the customer and then putting them at the center of your marketing. As business owners, it's so easy to put our product at the center of our marketing because we know it and we love it and we're passionate about it. But yeah, you're right. We've got to put the customer at the center of our marketing. That's what customer-centric marketing is all about. Um, hey, Helen, it's been really lovely chatting with you. Um, any sort of parting words of wisdom for us at all? just no I'm just really thrilled Simon to get the opportunity to chat and I think um the more as small business people we get to work um on our business rather than in Mm. our business um and just carving out even if you're just carving out you know 15 minutes 30 minutes a week if you're just so kind of you know doing all the time um it's worthwhile doing that and just taking that kind of like a bit of a like a helicopter view of things and um and also just having just chatting to other people and getting ideas and different perspectives yeah yeah absolutely we we don't all um always know everything do we it's good to get other people's views on things Um, which is why this is such a great platform why i love chatting to people like you about your experiences so if our followers want to follow you where do they find you how do they track you down your website your socials yeah, so best best place is really uh, Facebook, Instagram, our website, coastalbrewingcompany.com. Um, and if anyone's local to Foster, then very welcome in our taproom. And, and just, I'm always up for a chat as well, always talking all things beer, but also always up for chatting all things marketing as well. Yeah, you are. And also James and, you know, all of the other, yep. um, um, Dave, in the James, tap room, they're yes. always happy to have yep. a chat. What, and what better place to have a chat over beer as well? I know. I know. Um, 
Hey, Helen, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. If anybody is visiting Foster and you are partial to a bit of a craft beer, or even if you're not, then you need to do yourself a favour and go and check out Coastal Brewing Company. Um, Helen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the mashup. Thank you. Um, thanks, guys. So, so that's a bit of a wrap. As Helen said, make sure you check them out on socials, and the links to all of those will be on or in the show notes as well. So, um, thanks, gang. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to catching up with you again on the mashup next week. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a single episode. If you're ready to really level up your marketing and explode your leads and sales, reach out for a chat with one of our kick-ass marketing professionals. Find us at orbitmarketing.com.au, themarketingmashup.com.au, Instagram at orbit underscore marketing, Facebook at Orbit Marketing Oz, that's Orbit Marketing OZ, also YouTube, LinkedIn, and now on TikTok. Oh, 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 o